Warning, the following podcast is a shit show, and the individuals you are about to meet are idiots. Their opinions, anecdotes, and advice contain zero nutritional value. This is the critical human condition and all of its strangeness. This is life, according to an idiot. All right, we are officially recording and it's nice because me and jeremy have been chit chatting and babbling for shit chatting quite a while now <laughs> so like all of the babble topics that i had prepped prior to this have already been covered oh really see i never know what mo's gonna talk about in, in the babble well usually it's like life stuff what's going on i'm moving soon hopefully the housing market sucks and it's trash and things are really annoying <laughs> Jeremy got a dog. I got a dog. Would you like to introduce Rufus? Rufus, he's not in the room, so I can't introduce him, but <laughs> he's a Staffordshire boxer mix. Definitely some pit bull in there, I think. So he's got mm-hmm. that big ass head with a, <laughs> his head has like a dent in the middle, like cleavage on top of his head. Nice. Rufus the doofus. He's adorable. Big head, no thoughts. I love that. Big, big fan. I'm excited to hear more about Rufus because I feel like people always kind of end up getting the dog that's like exactly right for them. And I feel like they always kind of tend to mimic their owners a little bit with like specific qualities that you don't always recognize like right in the beginning when they kind of like reveal themselves later on. So I'm excited to see mm-hmm. how Rufus correlates to your own personality. So far, really anxious, which kind of tracks. <laughs> so far, really anxious. Oddly enough, he's like a closeted Marxist. So I don't know what that says about me. Closeted Marxist. He's a really, really against privatized businesses. Mm. He wants the means of production to return to the people, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize he was so radical. Well, he's already like breaking mm-hmm. windows and shit. So maybe he has like a rioter, That's rioter deep in a him. a very important thing The f- on the fourth day. <laughs> My dog, after kidding him, broke our fucking window, our front window. <laughs> he saw a dog in our yard, got so excited. They started running back and forth in the house because he's anxious as hell. Starts running back and forth. On the last one, he jumps up on the couch, which is right next to the window, slips, shoulders the wall with his thick body because he's got all muscle and shoulders <laughs> and just shatters the window. Yeah. And again, fourth day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I immediately call my girlfriend and she's on her way home. And I'm just like, hey, I have some interesting news. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that animal we purchased? <laughs> well, he's already caused severe property damage. But my my landlord didn't even care. So that was good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, just pay for a new one. So yeah. it was single pane, which I think was the bigger issue, frankly. Yeah. The single pane window from like 1950. Honestly, he's it's we're lucky that he didn't get like decapitated yeah i mean i'm like happy he's okay i also had hairy troubles because i'm in like the southwest right now and there's these plants called foxtails that are really dangerous for animals and usually when they dry out is when they become dangerous because they can't be digested in the body like they can't be broken down and it carries a lot of bacteria mm-hmm. and it's basically like a needle like it'll just burrow really deep into okay. tissues so it can go like as deep as like their bladder their fucking like spinal cord and a lot of the times they'll like step on it so they'll just get infections in their paws and stuff yeah but it can be really bad if they eat it i can only imagine 
Um, so Harry ate one. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I like freaked the fuck out. And I was like, we have to go. We have to go to the hospital immediately. Because my friend just told me like the day before. She's like, yeah, the one thing that you have to look out for here is foxtails. Because like one of my coworkers' dog died from it. And it's like extremely dangerous for them. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm glad I'm learning about this right before I leave. And then the next day he fucking ate one. Ab- horrifying. Big dumb idiot. Nightmare. Nightmare. So we were there until like two three in the morning and the vet was like i guess we'll just see if he passes it if he like gets any worse just let me know not what you want to hear but okay yeah she's like i can't see it in his mouth and he's doing better <laughs> so let's just give him a hypoallergenic diet for a few days <laughs> there's no such thing as x-rays yeah right luckily he, he actually ended up passing it i think but he's so dumb and i'm like dieting him right now because he's chonky so he just wants to eat literally everything. And like yeah. he has a hound nose. So he sniffs out even the smallest breadcrumb on our walks. And he like pulls me to it. Like his life depends on <laughs> like it. A truffle pig, a truffle. Yeah. Rufus yeah. is like that. Rufus smells things really intensely. But he's also, this is the first dumb dog that I've had. Because previously when I was living with my parents, we had a golden doodle. He was a little trickster mm-hmm. and he knew how to manipulate us and everything. Rufus is the opposite. The other day. We were outside in the backyard. He likes to communicate or like smell the neighbor dog through the fence. Mm-hmm. The other day, he was really interested in that neighbor dog, following him back and forth along the fence. The neighbor dog went inside its house, and then Rufus went inside our house thinking he could find him. <laughs> he was like, if he went inside, I bet I could no. find him inside. It's like, buddy, our houses are not connected. That's not how, that's not how this works. Aw, Rufus. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, I gotta go meet him inside. Uh, I love dumb dogs, to be honest. Harry's kind of dumb, too. It's way nicer. Yeah, and he'll, like, we'll go on walks, and he he has to smell, like, every flower he passes. Mm-hmm. He's very adamant about it. But the unfortunate thing is that cacti also have flowers, and they are blooming mm. right now. So he just shoves his whole fucking face into all oh, these no. cactuses, and he'll <laughs> get, like, pricked by them every yeah. time. But the thing is, is, like, he just doesn't notice. He's like oh, that hurt. And then he'll just like keep going. <laughs> and I have to like pluck all of these fucking spines out of his head. <laughs> like a... <laughs> no pain, no gain. Yeah. I'm glad that you have a dog now though. I'm excited for all these adventures. I've also just never had a big dog before, mm-hmm. which is different. And he's not that big, but I've always had like, when I was a kid, I had a Shih Tzu and then the mini golden doodle that my parents have. So like pretty light, you can pick him up or whatever. This guy's mm-hmm. like 65 pounds nice. all just meat <laughs> yeah he's so dense i picked him up for the first time yesterday i cradled him Aww. he was very confused i just want to see if i could do it i just picked him up and i just swayed him <laughs> and he definitely seemed to like it Aww. it was like holding like an eight-year-old that's what it felt like yeah they're fucking heavy yeah harry is supposedly like 70 pounds i don't know if i could pick him up though <laughs> Yeah, and cradle I mean, he, him. He's a tank. Harry's of... more like condensed because he's a little bit shorter. But he's Harry's definitely a big guy. Yeah, he's like a whale. Mm-hmm. He's a no, whale yeah, dog. He's very, a beach whale. Short stubby legs and a big tank body. <laughs> <laughs> he's interesting. So our episode this week is going to be so fun, so great, so entertaining for your little ears. If you are new here, welcome. This is According to an Idiot. Welcome to According to an Idiot. I'm Jeremy. <laughs> and I am Mo. And we're going to be talking about some fucking mermaids. So our patrons voted on this and they decided they wanted to hear about the dark depths of sailor mythology, I guess. I thought you were going to say Sailor Moon. 
Sailor Moon. And then I remembered we're talking about mermaids. Yeah, mermaids. <laughs> um, I didn't expect there to be... When we got this, I'm like, this has to be a mini. I don't think there's going to be enough information on this. Mm-hmm. My expectations were pretty low. I'm like, oh, fucking mermaids, what? <laughs> uh, whatever. But there's actually, it was actually pretty interesting. The most interesting thing I think I found about mermaids is that like every culture has mer- has had mermaids. Yeah, it's really cool. Like weird, right? Like literally cultures that never talk to each other from the dawn of time. The mermaid myth has always been everywhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a little suspicious. A little suspicious and a little fun. What's going on? Do we want to dive right into mermaids or do we want to do some segments first? I have like smaller ones. We should probably do some segments. I feel like that's the formula. Yeah. We got to make you guys wait. <laughs> we can't get to mermaids right away. We can't get to mermaids. We just wanted to give you a little teaser so you sneak yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Just get you psyched out. Get fucking pumped. <laughs> it is really cool though. I'm I'm actually excited that we decided to do this one. Because mermaids, I think, are those things that we just know about and it's so much a part of our pop culture that it almost seems uninteresting. But the actual like stories and like origins of it, I think, can be really interesting. But before mm-hmm. we dive into that, like I said, let's do some fun, funky segments. So I have an Only on the Interwebs oh, cool. for all of you. Did you have anything... <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, cool. I prefer no segments. I'm so sorry. No worries. Um, so I have two. I have an only on the interwebs, which I'm more excited about. So I'm going to start with that one. So Q segment. Only on the interwebs. So I found this. This was in like a newspaper of some sort, you know, when people can like write into like newspapers or like magazines and like have their story mm-hmm. shared or whatever. What newspaper was this? Do you know? I don't. So this one was shared by a woman named Susan who is 51, and the title is Wind of Change. She's apparently from Wolverhampton, if that yes. helps you. Oh, it's just a stone's throw from Cat Swallow. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so quote. I always hoped my Bobby would contact me from the other side to let me know that he was okay. But I never expected him to do it like this. You see, I think my Bobby spirit is somehow trapped inside me, and he's desperate to get out. Start playing some porn music. (laughs) This is a little personal, so I'll try to put it... Bobby's inside me. as, ...as politely as possible. I suffer from terrible wind, and when I release it, it is always such a relief. (laughs) <laughs> the other week, I was in a toilet cubicle at John Lewis's, making myself comfortable when I released some wind, and I swear I heard the words, help me, <laughs> in my Bobby's slightly muffled voice. <laughs> now I'm convinced he's inside me and is begging to be released. It's left me terrified to break wind. <laughs> First of all, hold on. Toilet cubicle. Right. <laughs> in a toilet it's, cubicle. Yeah, like, huh, what? Yeah, it's a stall. Excuse me, I must go to a toilet cubicle. <laughs> it's a bathroom stall. So, Jeremy. Yeah. I want you to imagine yourself. You are the editor mm-hmm. of this of this magazine. People write to you. The New York Times. The New York Times. What do you say to poor Susan, who has her dear Bobby trapped inside of her, desperately trying to get out? I don't think I would have to respond to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would, like, get her into contact with some clairvoyance some psychics maybe somebody that has an ancient knowledge on breaking wind and the significance of that okay probably the best case scenario would be for an exorcism Mm. yeah that's a good choice yeah so for that you'd probably need like 
a Prius and some gas X <laughs> and then tie her to a bed and let her rip. I guess that would be a pretty fun exorcism because then the climax would just be her like releasing the most ungodly fart yeah. to have well, ever existed. Or, or taking a shit. I feel like most of the time when you got bad farts, it's because you really have to take a dump. Right. So what if she shat out her son? <gasps> but like a diff, like, like shadow son, shadow Tommy, because he's made of poop. Bobby? Who's Bobby, Tommy, Tommy Bobby, who's <laughs> a fuck? It's in her butt. So you get that out. It's like Shadow Bobby. Shadow Bobby. And he's made of shit. And he's like, <laughs> you know, it's the boss battle in the video game, essentially, is what I'm right. imagining. I was going to say, it's like Kingdom Hearts. When you have like that shadow. Shadow Sora. Yeah, Shadow Sora. It's like yeah. that, but it's, but That's it's exactly Bobby. What I, I didn't think you played Kingdom Hearts. It's exactly what I was oh my God. actually like imagining. I'm offended. I mean, it makes sense that you put Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I know. Look at me. Yeah. I look like Sora. You <gasps> absolutely do. Huh? No, I'm not even joking. Like, that's not even a joke. You, I never made this connection. But if you spiked your hair and got, like, the Keyblade, mm-hmm. you would look. You could cosplay as Sora. I should. You should. Is it because Sora's a child and I have a faintly childlike face? You ha- yeah, 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 yeah. You have a, uh, <laughs> yes, of course it is. You look like a young boy. That's right. <laughs> that's a compliment. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm a good boy. Boyish. I was thinking, I have been watching Stranger Things. The fourth season just came out. I have not watched it. It looks interesting, though. It's really good. It's really, really good. You'll really like it. They lost me the last few seasons because it got too, like, Spielbergy, where it's like, that's not scary anymore. The first season was kind of spooky and sci-fi, mm-hmm. and the rest has been very much, like, 80s action adventure. Yeah. But this one looks like it's horror. It's scarier. It's, yeah, it's way more horror than the previous seasons, I think. Good. And I can't remember if we talked about this before. I think that we might have mentioned it to each other in private. But I am convinced that we are Steve and Robin. So the lesbian character and then Mm -hmm. the, like, guy who's always, like, babysitting them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I feel like we resemble them so hard, especially, like, our earlier friendship. I gotta go back and watch it. I haven't seen it in so long. And they're, like, talking about dating and, like, their issues with it in the show. And I'm like... This is like a conversation that me and Jeremy have had, <laughs> except like in reverse. It's really funny and I'm kind of excited for you to watch it, but okay, yeah. very cool. The weird trend of like everything has to be the 80s. I feel it's finally coming to a close, mm-hmm. but I feel like Stranger Things really kicked it into high gear and I think also is kind of put it to rest. Yeah. This last season doesn't feel as heavily like specifically 80s i feel like season three kind of peaked with that okay where they were going really hard with 80s stuff but yeah this one feels more story based which is kind of nice good but they should really take like a pointer from susan because she really has a terrifying story of bobby being trapped inside her and i think that could be season five yeah the horror genre could really benefit from her experience maybe susan's ass is the upside down <gasps> Oh, it's all coming together. We got to get in contact with them. We have to enter Susan's ass. <laughs> we have to enter the upside down. Bend over, Susan. All right. <laughs> Q intro. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. I don't even know. I've been watching it. I don't even know what the intro sounds like. Spooky synth noise. <laughs> I had like one really short science corner as well. Would you like that thrown at you? Why not? It's basically just like a fun fact that I thought was not terribly fun, but it is a fact that is kind of interesting. Okay. So uh, (laughs) this fact, suicide bombers can often be identified because the blast pressure from like bomb vests that they wear, like on their torso, Mm -hmm. can separate the head at the weak point, which is the neck. So the head often pops off like a T-ball and just lands nearby. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so like their head is intact. Their head is intact and it just like pops off. The blast pressure is so large and it just disconnects the head from the neck because it's weak there. What the fuck? So it's literally just like a cork, Whoa. you know, like from champagne yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit. This is the most disturbing science corner, the most brief and disturbing science <laughs> corner we've had before. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm assuming it's over now. Yeah, that was the it. science corner. That's all you have to say about that, it. That's all I have to say. I just thought that was um, oh, Jesus. really interesting. Really makes you think. I feel like my science corners tend to be kind of wholesome or like actually informative or cool. And this one, I think it's just kind of like, ugh. It was a sentence. Yeah. It was a sentence and it was dark. And it was about, it was about <laughs> it's <like> terrorism. <laughs> it's like, how weak is the human neck? If you had to guess, Jeremy. Honestly, I would say on a scale from one to very, very. Yeah, very weak. All it takes is like one strong punch to the gullet and you're donezo. Yeah. Sorry. Right, because you break your neck and you're dead. Right. You got the windpipe there. Sometimes. That shit's weak too. It is a weirdly weak part of the... We should all have neck braces on. That's like the only true protection. Honestly. Like, we make fun of people that have no neck, but they're probably the strongest among us. You know? Like the Quasimodos. Yeah. Well, he had a neck. He just had a hunchback. <laughs> well, a Quasimodo if he didn't have a neck. <laughs> and he was also really strong in his own movie. So he maybe was, it was yeah. because he, he didn't, didn't have... have a neck. I think because yeah. he was like a mutant, man. And he just rang the bell. I'll be honest. I don't know if I've seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Really? Yeah. It's it's kind of disturbing, actually. For a Disney movie, it's re it's really scary. From what I've seen, I remember as a kid trying to watch it, but being scared of it. The bad guy was really scary to me. He was really scary because he was so accurate. He felt like a real person. And he kind of is. Because it's based off of, you know... I mean, they're all kind of like based off of old stories and things. But he... If, you, if you're unaware, he's like a priest... Yeah, he's like a corrupt priest. Yeah, he's like a corrupt priest and he influences the whole town and like pits everyone against Quasimodo. And I think it feels so scary because it translates to real life in a way like other Disney movies don't really. Mm -hmm. I mean, those priests existed. Yeah, 100%. Um, but Esmeralda is really hot. So I agree with that. I've seen her <laughs> and I agree with that. I would recommend watching simply just to watch her like twirl around a little bit. I would let my priesthood become corrupted for that. You know who else is really fucking hot? Ariel. Ariel's. Little Mermaid. Is that the transition yeah, trying to do? Hell yeah. Her little 16-year-old self. Uh, is she 16? <laughs> yeah, she's 16. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. She will blossom into a... Okay, that, you can't even say that. Yeah, that's awesome, that's Chris. That's grooming, I think, if you say yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, Chris. Um, Ariel's not really hot. She's really cool and interesting, and she's a young, up-and-coming uh, individual mm -hmm. with a tail, an underwater yeah. tail, not like a dog tail. Who probably has a lot to offer society other than her beauty. Yeah. But people who don't are other mermaids um, because they're just sex symbols. Mm -hmm. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? I'm feeling a bit spicy. Okay. <laughs> Let's go under the sea. Ooh. Somewhere under the sea. Oh, is that the right tempo? No. <laughs> My lover stands on golden sands and watches the Nice. Why don't we just do under the sea? Oh, why the, why the fuck did I just do that one? That's literally, I'm doing Finding Nemo. I'm going Finding Nemo when we need to be going the Jamaican crab. Yeah, exactly. Under the sea. All right, let's do it. Okay. All right, three, two, 
One. Another sea. Another sea. Nothing is better. Nothing is wetter. Take it from me. Take it from me. Okay. Let's let's transition into this episode. Roll intro. Sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventure. Is it human or inhuman? Earthly or unearthly? Fabled marine creature, half woman, half fish. Are you trying to tell me a mermaid story? Under the sea. Behold the mermaid! Unbelievable. Fantastic, but I tell you, it could happen. All right, so I will kick us off. I really wanted to find like an aquatic pun way to say that. Oh, let's dive in. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> We're gonna dive in. Let's dive into, in. Like how you dive into water. So I'm gonna be very gender neutral and very politically correct by saying. Let's talk about merfolk. Ooh, I love that. Merfolk. Nice. Um, so merfolk or merpeople are legendary water-dwelling humanoid beings. That's beings, B-E-I-N-G-S, not beans like baked beans. I can't say it without <laughs> it sounding like beans. Humanoid beans. I didn't even notice that until you said it, and now I will never be able to unhear it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they Human are. beans. <laughs> legendary water-dwelling humanoid beings. Nice. There we go. Recorded in folklore and mythology around the world. Like I said, talk about collective unconscious. These are figures that are in every culture. Mm -hmm. So mermaids are female merfolk, though the term strictly defines a person that is half female, human, and half fish in appearance. The male counterpart is a merman and is also strictly half human, half fish. Sometimes in folklore, the mermen were uglier and wild, like Mm -hmm. actual animals. But so mermaids... Mermen, however you want to say it, have been described in various folktales as beautiful or very ugly. Even mermaids. Mermaids can be kind of more water hags, Mm -hmm. like a sea hag. Nice. You fucking sea hag. That's a great little, (laughs) if you want to use that against your nemesis, you can go ahead and say that next time you see them. You sea hag. So in mythology and folklore, here's some quick examples. There's the Naiad, N-A-I-A-D. Those are female spirits mm-hmm. in Greek mythology that preside over bodies of fresh water. Mm-hmm. There's the Nixie, which are humanoid shapeshifters and water spirits in Germanic folklore. The Rusalka are female spirits in Slavic folklore that are associated with water and often violent towards humans, kind of like trickster god mm-hmm. vibes. So yeah, the general concept has changed over time, but really what I'll cover and what you'll see is that most of them, the underlying thing is that they trick people into getting into the water so they can like eat or drown them or otherwise kill them. Mm-hmm. Or they're like harbingers of doom in some way. So folklore across the world, we'll start with China. Also, I got most of this information from Wikipedia mm-hmm. and Encyclopedia Britannica, but yeah, you're going to find a lot of it is very basic foundational information. Yeah. So in medieval China, there was a creature called the, I don't think I can pronounce any of these names, <laughs> the Jiaoran or a Jairan, mm-hmm. which means the quote, flood dragon people or the shark people. And they have been referenced in texts from the 4th century BC, as well as texts through the uh, 6th century CE. And mentions of the Kao people, it's 
C and a funny looking A and a U. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to try. What's tough is this is an audio uh, format, so I can't show you the letter. Mm, yeah. So these people were thought to live on underwater houses in China's South Sea and cry tears of pearls. Moving over to Great Britain, uh, mermaids were seen as unlucky omens, either causing disasters or acting as harbingers of doom and disaster. To sailors in folktales, mermaids would warn crewmen that they would die at sea mm -hmm. or trick them by assuring doomed sailors that the land was nearby. So either they would be like, hey, guys, I'm down here. It's me, the mermaid in the water. Mm -hmm. What's up? Just so you know, you're about to die in a storm. So just sit with that for a while. <laughs> or they would say... Hey, guys, no worries. Land's just that way. But in reality, they were heading into a huge storm and they would die. Can you imagine you're like on your ship and then she like pops her little head out and is like, hello, you know, does her little sing song <laughs> yeah. thing. And they're like, um, hey, major storm's coming. You probably can't escape it. And also you die. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. And they just swim away. Bye, losers. <laughs> Bye, losers. <laughs> in other tales, a man might see a woman drowning in a lake or a river. Other tales. <laughs> And then went <laughs> in other tales. I'm fish tales. Oh, geez. So they would see a woman in a, a, some sort of body of water. And she'd be thrashing about, crying that she was drowning, asking for help. And so a hero would come and save her. And this man would jump into the water only to reveal that it was not a woman at all, but a tricky sea nymph. Oh, no. That bitch. And they would <laughs> drown them or kill them in some way. And then folktales from the Isle of Man favored mermaids. They weren't so bad. They were actually very helpful. Okay. And typically characterized them as kind, showing guidance in certain ways, be that through like giving them esoteric information, like mm -hmm. crazy magic stuff. Right. So moving to Scandinavia, in these tales, mermaids most often were depicted as oracle type characters that would give fortunes and especially would impart forbidden knowledge to mortals. In one tall tale, a man performs a series of favors for a mermaid, and in return, he may pose three questions to her, and she'll answer them. Hmm. Kind of like a genie. Oh, cool. Like a genie, but she'll just answer questions instead of granting wishes. Yeah, you get to learn secret information. Right. And in Greece, myths of sirens originating in ancient mythology as bird-like women who tricked and lured sailors to their death with their hypnotic singing slowly morphed over time from half-woman, half-bird to half-woman, half-fish. Mm -hmm. And this brought forth the medieval concept of a mermaid tricking and dooming sailors. Yeah. So if you ever read the Odyssey in school, Homer's Odyssey, the sailors have to plug their ears when they are passing by the sirens because it's like a seductive, beautiful voice. And they'll tell them, hey, jump in the water. But they'll sing it to them. So they'll be like, jump in the water right now. <laughs> and everyone's like, fuck yeah. And they jump in. Because they're horny for these beautiful singers. Right. And then they just start being drowned by these sirens. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, too. Like, a little bit in my research, they originally started as men, like mermen in particular, mm. and transformed into what they are now. And, like, the mermen would have different attributes. Some of them would still, like, kill people. They would just kill women and children instead of, you know, men. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> Who needs them? Or they would be like some sort of god on their own. But then like that tale, that legend of that god kind of translated into like multiple mermaids instead of just like one singular half fish man kind of thing. Yeah. I think just word of mouth changes that, right? Like I think mm -hmm. it's like a game of telephone. That's how all these myths are. Right. They get passed around. They change. Someone doesn't like it. They tell the story a little bit different, mm -hmm. you know. 
to some group of people, it's a god, and then people who believe in a different god will just minimize it or they change it. Yeah. Yeah. And so moving to Eastern Europe, the Slavic folktale creatures, like I mentioned before, the Rusalkas, were thought to be restless spirits of women who suffered violent or otherwise untimely death, like murder, suicide, or especially drowning. So it kind of goes back to this idea of that kind of pity of like a woman not fulfilling her potential Mm-hmm. of growing up and honestly becoming a wife. Like for these ones, especially if it was a woman who died before her wedding night, like that uncomfortableness around when young people die. Yeah. They shouldn't have died. They're so much potential. They're just about to become something. And so I think especially back in the day with women, it, apparently especially in Eastern Europe, there's that pressure of like she didn't fulfill her full potential by becoming a wife, a mother, uh, a bride. Mm-hmm. Um or she was murdered by a man. She killed herself over something, over a man, over sorrow. There's always that fear. I find, at least, even in our culture, a lot of ghost stories, a lot of ghosts are women who die over heartbreak, mm-hmm. or they took their own life, or they were waiting for their, a man that never came. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I always find that kind of strange, that females are scarier than men in a lot of cases when it comes to folklore yeah. or tall tales or the unexplained. Yeah, like betrayal too, I think is another common theme, like Mm -hmm. women who are like betrayed by men in their lives and then they become like this vengeful, you know, spirit. I actually have one from France, if you want me to tell that story now. Yeah. So I have Melisune. This originates from France and this tale starts with uh, a mother who accepted a proposal to marry a king. And the condition to the marriage was she said, like, yes, I'll marry you, but you have to promise me that you will never see my children, like our children, naked or while I bathe them. And that was her main condition, which is like so fucking bizarre. (laughs) And it's like one of those things. If someone told me, I'd be like, well, I didn't really want to do that before. But now that you're telling me not to, I feel like I can't do anything else. I would assume, like, okay, our son has a massive hog and I'll just be intimidated. Right, exactly. (laughs) So does our daughter. (laughs) So, like, obviously he, like, eventually disobeys and breaks this promise. And she feels so betrayed by this that she leaves and moves away to live with her three daughters alone. And on the daughter's 15th birthday, they find out that the reason that they're not with their father is because he broke this promise. And they were so upset about this that they set out to punish him and lock him in a tower where he would never be able to get out and no one would be able to see him again, which is very like Rapunzel of them. But (laughs) So that means that it was their children were all females. I wonder if that's like a hint at like sexual assault. Maybe. Like, don't molest our daughters. Because that, that was incredibly common back then. Yeah. You know? Maybe that's what it is. Because I thought that was, like, very strange. And then, like, the daughters would be pissed off. Like, that doesn't totally make sense. So I yeah. wonder if it's, like, your father molested you or something. Yeah. That that makes me more sense. I'm glad you caught that because I did not piece that together. But the thing is, is the mother found out that they were planning on punishing the father and she decided to punish them instead by putting a curse on Melisune to become half a woman and half a serpent every Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like kind of it's like a Not curse. Not that big of an inconvenience. Yeah, it's like just enough of an inconvenience that it's annoying, but like... <laughs> Not enough to really disrupt her whole life either. No, it's one day a week. One day a week. She just like has a tail. Um, Yeah. 
I feel like it was worse for those kids on the H2O show. Every time they touched water, they sprung into a mermaid. Yeah. That shit would suck. That's right. So Melisune later came across a man that she like had met in the woods named Raymond. And he asked her to marry him. Uh, she accepted, but only if he promised to never look at her when she bathed. Yeah, well, she's washing all the serpent goo off of her. <laughs> so he failed to keep his promise, as all men do, because they're trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he called her a serpent in a French court. So everyone was around <laughs> and they all heard. And she was so upset about this that she transformed into a dragon and flew away, never to return. What the fuck was that story? <laughs> yeah. That makes no... That... Okay. It was... So, yeah. Whatever. Okay. It was quite... Yeah. It was, it was kind of interesting. It's also something that there's this parallel with these, like, mythologies that mermaids are thought to be the wives of powerful sea dragons. And so a lot of the stories that I saw, there were also, like, dragons involved. Yes. I noticed that, too. Like, the Chinese mermaids, they were, what, the flood dragon people and in chinese folklore flood dragons were like water dragons mm -hmm. so like there was people that resembled water dragons or were half water dragon because that's another thing too it's, it seems like before all these cultures agreed on making them half human half fish they were half human half serpent yeah i don't know why the direction changed but a lot of mermaids it started with half woman half serpent or maybe evolution just played a part jeremy and they just evolved into be more fish-like because they're in the water so much. Sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fish came from snakes. Everyone knows that. Exactly. That's why there's no more snakes. Exactly. And we came from fish. Science. Mm -hmm. I'm a biochemist. You can trust me. And I'm, I'm not, but you can trust me too. <laughs> I can confirm. You have a PhD in um, esoteric studies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. School of hard knocks, buddy. Don't, don't forget right. it. <laughs> That's such a weird story. But like the old stories like that make no sense. My first thought when she says, like, don't look at my kids when they when I'm bathing them, it's because their lower halves are like serpent halves. That's what I was thinking. But then... But then she doesn't turn her into a fish serpent until later. Later. Right. That was my first thought. Yeah, I don't totally get that. I don't know. Old folktales are, like, so bizarre like that. I feel like they're so overlaid with metaphors and, like, hidden meanings that you have to, like, yeah. fucking sit there and think about it. The references are so outdated outdated like so of the time and over time we lose that context mm -hmm. so we take them more at face value when we go like what wait huh then she flew off as a dragon <laughs> and then she was punished for her father seeing her naked i think it makes more sense in the context of the culture at that time but we lose that context over mm -hmm. time as everything changes right because that makes no sense to me the whole story was yeah, like the whole story was what? like, like no, none of the no, i couldn't predict any of it <laughs> yeah it's like a fucking roller coaster but the really really old folk tales are like that they make no sense to us that's how you know it's authentic that's how you know it's real so moving to africa uh the water spirits called la siren or la siren it's just mm -hmm. siren la siren or mommy wata <laughs> like mommy water are another mermaid figure that are revered throughout western southern and central africa typically female the la siren lure men to their watery graves like most other cultures renditions of mermaids and these creatures are also recognized in modern caribbean culture in the form of the voodoo loa la siren mm -hmm. as we talked about in our voodoo episode mm -hmm. um I don't, do you remember the loas yeah they're the, the little gods in voodoo right 
So currently in Caribbean voodoo, there's a loa called La Siren. One thing I saw about, what, was it Mami Wada? Mm-hmm. Or is it yeah, Mama yeah. Wata? Mami Wada. Mami Wada. One thing that I saw, it wasn't like a particular story, so I didn't like record it, but one thing that she would do in particular is she would like ambush these people on ships or, you know, if they're just like out in the water and she would kidnap them, mostly like men, but she wouldn't discriminate. (laughs) (laughs) So if it was like anyone out there and she would determine if they were good or not. And if she determined that they were good, then she would bring them back to the shore. And if they weren't, then she would drown them. And that kind of goes back to the idea of like judgment being spared if you're true of heart, if you're good. Like, Mm -hmm. they had that similar thing in, like, um, I don't know if it was Roman or if it was earlier than that. Part of capital punishment was you'd be cast into this river, and if you drowned, that meant you were guilty, and if you were innocent, you survived. And that means that, like, Mm -hmm. the gods favored you. They knew that you weren't guilty. Right. So kind of similar thing. It's like only the bad guys die. You know, if you you die at sea, you deserved it because mommy... Mommy Wata, <laughs> Mommy Water decided that you could return home. Yeah. So moving to Japan, the Ningyo is a fabled half-human, half-fish monster. Depictions vary across the ages, but some descriptions state that it is only the head that resembles a human and the entire body is just a large fish-like monster. Mm-hmm. And flyers uncovered from 1805 show a message claiming that a Ningyo had been caught and killed, purportedly measuring 35 feet in length and requiring 450 rifles to kill it. Interesting. I have more on that in particular, actually. Oh, do you? Yeah, so... What I found on Ningyos are that they had the mouth of a monkey. (laughs) Yeah, it was like a human fish creature with the mouth of a monkey. And supposedly eating its flesh could grant immortality. And there's a story of this creature appearing to Prince Shotoku in northeast Kyoto. The creature supposedly was once a fisherman who trespassed into protected waters and as a punishment was transformed into this creature. So he swam to like the shore or whatever and asked the prince to make a temple to display his mummified body to remind people the sanctity of life and like, you know, basically be grateful you're not as hideous and disgusting as me. <laughs> Look at how horrible my life is. Um, you know, live your life in peace kind of thing. And his body is still cared for by Shinto priests. And this dried mermaid was supposedly caught between 1736 and 1741. Researchers tested it and everything and found it to be a relic from the Edo period, which is 1603 to 1868. Hmm. During this time, it's really cool because it was common for yokai, which are like the Japanese spirits, demons, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing to be displayed for audiences very similar to like freak shows and circuses in the U.S., even, oh, what's his name? The famous circus guy. P.T. Barnum. That's what it is. Yeah, P.T. Barnum. He had a mermaid. Yeah, the Fiji mermaid. Yeah, the Fiji mermaid. So it was like similar type of thing. So Yeah, I mean, it was like a mummified monkey torso on that was sewn onto the lower half of a fish. Yeah. That's, you'll, you can see pictures of it online. It's one of the more famous freak show things. Yeah, it's cool. And it's cool, too, because there's like a separate temple in Fukuoka, Japan, that houses the remains of a mermaid that washed ashore supposedly in 1222. And the Smithsonian, like, 
talks about this. Mm-hmm. And the bones were preserved by a priest who believed that the creature had come from the legendary palace of a dragon god at the bottom of the ocean, and that the water used to preserve these bones was said to prevent diseases. So it's kind of interesting how they have like different like temples and they seem to like revere these like mermaid corpses. Yeah, these like oddities that washed ashore. Yeah. And there's like these myths and legends that come from it, but then there's that dragon reference again too. Dragon could encompass like like a sea serpent. For sure. But yeah, so uh, this particular flyer of the Nino had notable features such as golden horns on its head, a red underbelly, three eyes on each side of its torso, and a forked carp-like tail. Mm. And it does kind of exist as a yokai. Mm-hmm. So I'll close off my portion with some historical sightings. The Roman naturalist and author Pliny the Elder wrote the encyclopedic book titled The Natural History around 77 AD, and it remains the largest single work from the Roman Empire to have survived to this modern day. And the natural history is comprised of 10 volumes that cover a very broad range of subjects like mathematics, astronomy, zoology, geography, anthropology, and other recorded knowledge taken from ancient scholars. A big compilation of all kinds of knowledge. A lot of it doesn't stand up, like a lot of it's mystical stuff too. Mm -hmm. But in his writing, Pliny offers multiple sightings and accounts of mermaids or sea nymphs being spotted off the coast of what is modern day Lisbon. Pliny noted that their bodies were totally covered in scales and that so many corpses of mermaids had been washing ashore in this area that the local governor had actually written to the Roman emperor about the strange creatures. It was like a pretty well-known phenomenon in that area. So these were likely carcasses of seals or some other unfamiliar sea mammal that they didn't know about. Hmm. They had just decomposed a little bit, so they looked kind of funky, and they're like, oh, it's like a monster. Um, There was a similar issue not too long ago with the Montauk monster. I don't know if you've Mm. heard about that. Yeah. If you Google the Montauk monster, you'll see what looks like a strange corpse on the shore. But they think it was like a dead raccoon or some sort of animal that got stuck and drowned, maybe like a dead bear. There's no fur on it or anything. It looks very strange, but they think it's probably just like a half-rotted bear or raccoon Mm. or something. But so it's really easy to mistake those things. Because I remember when I was a kid one time, me and my friend saw a dead baby bird that had fallen out of a nest and it didn't have any feathers. And I was convinced that I found a dragon. Because it looked just like a baby dragon. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like, that's just a bird that fell out of a nest. I was like so ready to make fun of these people. Like, haha, can you imagine seeing a seal? And you're like, what the fuck is that? Oh my God, <laughs> look at that sexy woman. <laughs> right? Ooh. God damn. Too bad she's dead. Too bad she's taken. I would love to have sex with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1493, while sailing along the coast of modern-day Dominican Republic and Haiti, Christopher Columbus reported encountering three mermaids in the water, and his travelogue entry for that day, January 9th, 1493, read, I saw three mermaids that came very high up out of the sea, but they were not half as beautiful as they are painted. And in reality, we're pretty positive what Columbus saw were manatees. (laughs) He's looking at these manatees, he goes... These are not as hot as everyone is talking about. <laughs> These bitches are ugly. Yeah, those are well, sea cows. Columbus was also like a major fucking idiot and twat anyway. Yeah, hilariously stupid. 
But yeah, other famous seafarers reported seeing mermaids across their travels, including Blackbeard and his crew, who apparently came to avoid specific regions of the sea that were said to be inhabited by diabolical mermaids. Mm -hmm. Pirates were pretty freaked out about mermaids. Again, they followed that British European idea that they were going to like lead you to your doom. Right. They're going to seduce you. They're going to kill you. They're going to drown you. And I think a lot of that goes to like the general distrust in women as well. Mm -hmm. The sirens or mermaids are going to seduce and kill you. Women are going to take you for everything you have and they're going to whatever, mm -hmm. which is very pervasive in a lot of folklore. And so more more recent, in August of 2009, dozens of witnesses reported seeing a humanoid creature resembling a mermaid in Haifa Bay in Israel, leaping from the water and performing aerial tricks like a dolphin almost, Ooh. but it was like a shape of a person. The town of Kiryat Yam, which resides in the Haifa Bay district, offered a $1 million reward to anyone capable of providing evidence of the mermaid's existence. Oh, really? But no proof was found. Shocker. Oh, no. And then my last half of things I have is more science-y, but I'll let you go into your... Okay. The main stories that I have are like specific mermaids and the tales of how they kind of came to be. So it's definitely more like specific stories. So one of the main ones, her name is Ayara, and she's also known as the mother of waters. So she's kind of like in the Amazon Brazil area. And the thing that's interesting about that is there is like an overlap of conflicting religions, kind of like when we were looking at voodoo, how it was like Haitian, and then there was that big pour of Christian influences. Yeah, this uh, syncretized. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same idea with Ayara where she kind of has overlaps of like Christianity and things now. And she has like a lot of different titles, so to say. But overall, originates in the 18th century, where she was this amazing, courageous warrior. Like she was really strong. She was really intelligent. And she had brothers who were really jealous of her because she received like all of her father's praise, you know, daddy's girl kind of thing. So the brothers decided to kill her because they were sick of having to live in her shadow. They ended up killing her and they tossed her body into the river nearby. And the moon goddess, Shasi, felt sorry for her and turned her into a beautiful mermaid so that she could live on. Another variation of the story says that her father killed her because she was planning on killing her brothers in defense and was thrown into the river and the fish saved her. Because it was a full moon, she also transformed into a mermaid. So now she inhabits the Amazonian rivers, conquering men and drowning them um, out of like you know, vengeance for her own story. Yeah. And she has these powers where she uses her song um, and her beauty to like lure men. And once they look into her eyes, they're completely like taken, they're bewitched. Okay. And kind of wander into the water where she drowns them. There are instances where some of them are able to escape, but if that happens, then they're said to go completely insane and not be able to recover. So it's kind of the story of, you know, if people get lost in the Amazon or if they get lost in the woods or whatever, then it's because they were taken by Iara. And my favorite story is <laughs> Scottish, Irish, and they're called Selkies. Mm -hmm. And these are cursed creatures who are seals in water. But when they're on land, they shed their skin and become human. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Which is really funny um, to me. I think that's really cute. So one legend says that a Spanish ship wrecked and the bodies of the sailors like washed ashore resembling seals. 
And so <laughs> that's kind of where that idea came from. Some say that they're like fallen angels or their souls of people stuck in purgatory. And with these, they can be like male or female, which is kind of different because a lot of these tend to focus on mostly like the vengeful female archetype. Yeah. But either way, they're like going to seduce you and you're going to fall in love with a seal. So <laughs> they <laughs> generally hide their seal skin while searching for a mate. So the males in particular, it specified this. <laughs> I thought it was funny. They will shed their seal skin when searching for a woman, single or married. <laughs> Wink. Ah. They don't discriminate. If a woman is attracted to the sulky male and wants to see him again, then she needs to put seven of her own tears into the sea when the tides are high. If she does this, then he will take her as a lover. Wow. Oh, yeah. So just go cry into the Some water. Spicy stuff, yeah. I love the idea of, like, the subversion of the mermaid trope. It's not half person, half water-dwelling creature, fish, seal, whatever. They are a seal that then comes to land and becomes a human. Mm -hmm. It's like a double life. Yeah, it's cool. And a lot of the stories kind of revolve around that. The heartbreak, tragedy, but also romantic. Because they oftentimes will get married to a selkie and not even know it. Like, if a woman goes missing at sea, people will say she, like, went to the home of a selkie man. Oh. And if a man finds a selkie woman and finds her skin, so they, like, shut it when they come onto land. So if they find her skin Ugh. by theft or deceit, then the creature, the woman, has no choice but to marry that man. Gotcha. I got your skin. I got your skin. <laughs> you can't leave me now. Um, it was fucking gross. And a lot of those stories, too, end up with, like, them having children and everything. And the children finding out and stealing the skin back for their mother. And then they all go off to the sea together and <laughs> abandon him. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> but yeah, and a lot of them, like, the human doesn't know that their partner is a selkie. And they'll, like, live their whole lives together and not figure it out. But I thought that was a fun, lighthearted play. I like that one. That might be my favorite of the mermaid tales. That one was my favorite, too. I have one more specific story. So this is... Serena of Guam. Serena? Probably Serena of Guam. So this was introduced in like the early days of the Spanish colonization of the Pacific. And Serena loved to swim more than anything else. And she spent pretty much all of her time in the Menondo River. She was told by her mother to collect some coconuts so that they could eat for dinner. And when she like went to go collect some coconuts, she got distracted and swam all day instead <laughs> at the river. Mm -hmm. And her mother found her at the end of the day when they didn't have anything to eat. And was like furious with her. Like her grandmother came with her. They were like so ready to scold her and yelled at her. If you love to swim so much, then be a fish. And her body started to transform into a fish while she was in the river. But the grandmother interjected at like the last minute that she must remain half human, saving her life. So she was cursed to be a mermaid by her mother and swam away never to see them again. But there are stories along the coast now saying that she protects the shores of Guam and can only be caught by a net made of human hair. <laughs> That's disgusting. Can you imagine that net? That's repulsive. That's fucking disgusting. That's so gross. Yeah. Making that, weaving it, repulsive. Being stuck in it, repulsive. Imagine the amount of hair you'd have to take from yourself or somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
That and the Kelpie skin is disgusting to me. Or this, the, what is it? This, not Kelpie. It's Selkie. Selkie. Yeah, the Selkie skin. I got your hair net. I got your skin. I'm just like imagining putting that on like a jumper or something, like a jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, step yeah. into your seal there's real quick. Zi- yeah, there's a zipper on it. <laughs> or do you just like climb in the mouth? But as for the Serena or Cy- Sirena... So her grandma just sort of did her dirty like that. Kind of, yeah. Her grandma cursed her, right? Well, the mother cursed her, so she started turning into a fish. But then the grandmother recognized what was happening. It was like, but wait, you have to remain half human to sort of like save her from like the full transformation. Uh, okay, okay. So she like saved her life because she could remain partly human and not fully a fish. But then she was like cursed as a half and half. So I just, I wanted to see, like, look up Sirena, because it's spelled like siren with an A at the end. Right. And the quote they have is, in this version, the the grandmother is upset with her and curses her. And then later the grandmother sees her swimming by and Serena says, quote, Oh, Nana, do not, do not worry about me, for I am a mistress of the sea, which I love so much. I would rather be back home with you. I know you were angry when you cursed me, but I wish you had punished me some other way. I would rather you had whipped me with your strap than to be the way I am now. Nana, take a good look at me, for this will be the last time we will ever see each other. And then it says, with these words, Serena disappeared among the waves. Oh, my God. I love that addition. Take a good look at me, bitch. Sorry, Nana. She really did a middle finger and bounced. You really fucked me up. Bye. Guess I'll go (laughs) make the best of this. You guys suck. I hate this. See ya. <laughs> you want me to be half a fish? Fine. I'll go be a fish without you. <laughs> so um, in terms of the scientific look at mermaids, I also uh, made note of this. Um, in contrast to most supernatural and otherworldly phenomena, the mermaid legend has actually, I think, been given more of a thoughtful consideration by scientists throughout history. So despite more modern hypotheses, such as the idea that humans may have branched off during evolution to form a small subspecies of aquatic humans, which is out there, like I've I've heard people be like, well, no, mermaids are just like a different evolution of humans. There's no scientific basis to that. I said that, so you can just quote me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm quoting myself. I know Mo was really obsessed with it being a thing. There ain't no fish people out there. But the popular marine science website Deep Sea News published an assessment of the unlikelihood of the evolutionary biology of mermaids in an article titled Fishful Thinking, Five Reasons Why Mermaids Can't Physically Exist. Yeah, let's hear it. So I'll just go through these five reasons. I think they're interesting. Let's hear it. So number one. Give it to me. Number one, (laughs) they would freeze to death. The cold ocean depths would impact thermoregulation. So to overcome this, a mermaid would either need an incredibly thick layer of blubber which is hot, (laughs) or an even thicker cut of hair, which is also interesting. Well, I would like to counter that. Go ahead. By saying we have plenty of fucking fish in the deep fucking depths of the ocean, and they do fine. They're assuming that the anatomy of the human on top is the same anatomy as we have. But if they've evolved to grow a tail, then chances are a lot of their other anatomy has also evolved to where they can accommodate the coldness Shut the fuck up. Number two, (laughs) evolutionary mismatch. It's an evolutionary mismatch. You can't have half of your body specifically evolved to adapt to one climate and the other half adapted. Assuming, again, this is all assuming that they're half human like us and then half fish. Mm -hmm. So you can't have one half of your body be adapted to one climate and the other one adapted to a different one. Um, So half of it evolved. Counter. (laughs) What's your counter? (laughs) A turtle. Explain turtles. (laughs) 
then. I can't. I can't. You got me. <laughs> God damn it. Turtles. Well, part of them is a rock and part of them is a lizard. Right. <laughs> there you go. You happy? <laughs> Number three, there's the reproductive challenges. How do mermaids reproduce then? Like a fish. Well, okay. Well, if they made it in accordance with their human half, then their fish parts would prevent the traditional mammalian internal fertilization. Pardon my filth talk. <laughs> After all, most fish reproduced externally with females depositing eggs for the males to later fertilize, which is a disgusting... Uh, picturing mermaids doing this is repulsive. <laughs> and uh, mammals don't lay eggs save for the echidna which is like the spiny little anteater guy, and the platypus. Mm -hmm. These animals belong to a select order of mammals that are far removed from humans in their biology and physical appearance. Okay, well, they're also, again, assuming that the anatomy of the human half is the same as our anatomy, which isn't the case, right, because they're different. They're half and half. So they're going to have to reproduce one way or another. So chances are they probably adapted their body anatomy to accommodate in whichever way. It's not literally half a fish, literally half a human, right? Like their internal anatomy would have to adapt and change. If we're talking like evolutionary, we're not saying like we splice these people together and that wouldn't work because of this. No, we're saying evolution. So if we're saying evolution, then things would adapt and change. I hate that you're defending mermaids right now. <laughs> well, these points, these points aren't well backed. Okay, so I'm 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 also like I'll link the article. I'm dumbing down all of their points. Yeah. I think it makes sense. Like if you're looking at it as a lens of literally half a human, half a fish, doesn't make sense. Good point. That's exactly what this is doing. This is the traditional vanilla mermaid like mm -hmm. Ariel. As far as you can tell, it is half human and half fish, you know? Mm -hmm. Sexy human lady. <laughs> Not sexy lower fish half. Okay, so so yeah, there's that reproduction. Like, uh, what's going on there? What do you got? The boobies covered in seashells. So number four, the digestive incompatibility. This one's interesting. Humans digest food via complex digestive tracts and produce solid waste and urine, but fish kidneys on the opposite end produce ammonia, which is expelled through their gills. So the question is, where does the poop go, Mo? Well. I mean, we're assuming that mermaids live in the water, right? So they're oh my God. they're going to need gills yeah. anyway. Like even if we're talking literal half human, half fish, they still need some form of like being able to fucking breathe, right? So we're not assuming a literal half human, half fish because there has to be some sort of change there they just, they can just hold where their they breath. can adapt to their environment. They can just hold their breath. Like a whale? Do whales hold their breath? <gasps> Can you imagine a mermaid pops up and they're beautiful and they're just like, <laughs> just purple face <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the sailors, yeah, they pop yeah. their head out and they're like, <laughs> there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. Holy shit. <laughs> that was five days. Right, this was going to be wild, guys. That's the most I can hold my breath. <sighs> It's just every four minutes. I think yeah. Like <laughs> no, it's like the normal, a normal person, like three minutes and I have to come back up. <laughs> uh, number five, there's simply no physical evidence of mermaids. And if mermaids were real, they would be, as the article puts it, quote, very cold, sterile, constipated, and probably extinct. 
I think that's close-minded of them. I think your mind is too open. <laughs> There's an old saying where it's like, keep an open mind, but don't keep your mind so open that your brain falls out. Yeah. A lot of that applies to this. I'm just saying. I don't know. You're just doing devil's advocate. I'm just saying. So here are some reasons why mermaids could be possible. <laughs> okay, good. In addition to everything that I said to Jeremy, if we're thinking evolutionarily, you know, things happen anatomy changes to accommodate environments so for saying that is the case you know all of those points that jeremy made are wrong and invalid so um also <laughs> also a fun note is that mermaids have appeared in cave paintings as early as like the stone age period which is around thirty thousand years ago at literally the very dawn of our species so if we're saying like humans evolved humans adapted whatever Who's to say that they didn't exist around the same time? Because there's evidence of it, baby. You know? Define... Of paintings. Okay. Paintings on cave... Okay. Cave walls. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. There they are. They're right there. They're right there. Yeah. And you're not even acknowledging them. It's very rude of you. Yeah. Um, Also, Futurama did a very good episode. I do remember this. I do remember this. On this. You know, when they were like in... Was it fucking like Chicago or some like city? And it sank yep. and then they evolved because there was like a lot of pollution or whatever mm-hmm. and then uh fry tried to have sex with one and he couldn't right because she was gonna fertilize yeah she had eggs she needed to fertilize her eggs that he had to like fertilize so that explains your reproductive question right there i do remember that but i was thinking of that when i was saying that but it's also futurama so uh, Futur- whatever futurama is scientifically backed well actually okay. futurama had their writing staff had the most phds of any show yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. It actually is pretty, as far as like those kind of shows go, mm-hmm. more along the line of possibility, which is cool. My final point is that we don't know what the fuck is in the ocean. Fair. The ocean is so unexplored. Honestly, fair point. If you're saying, oh, we would have had bodies or we would have had whatever. Okay, well, we don't have like deep sea fish and their corpses washing up on our shore either like if we're saying that mermaids exist we don't know where they're living or where they're habitating right so who's to say where they would or would not wash up and so much of it is unexplored how do we ever know they could just like swim their little asses away as soon as they know we're getting close you know very elusive unless they decide to show themselves at some point just to make everyone around them think that one person is crazy because they saw a mermaid. They're tricksters, like we said, you know? That's true, though. I mean, we uh, the, your point, though, about like, there's so many crazy-looking sea creatures that we've never seen and probably will never see. Because, so, but like, what's, I heard at one time some figure of, like, 10% of the ocean has been explored. Yeah. Probably not even 10%. We know more about space than we do about our ocean. Absolutely insane. Fucking crazy. Like, we discover new species in the ocean on a consistent basis. Yeah. Because, like, so much of it is deep sea, right? Like, we don't, you know, really have any reason to go there. But there are so many deep sea fish that are fucking insane, like, evolutionarily. Like, they're just really marvels. They're exactly marvels because they have their biology. They have to exist under such intense pressure mm-hmm. being at those depths you know what i mean if they were to come to the surface they just become goo right you know they would just fall apart because they're so used to living in this vacuum exactly and they're horrifying looking 
they're so scary and like they don't have skin like their skin is like transparent a lot of the yeah. time because they aren't exposed to the sun so they don't need any like melanin right to like protect themselves from the uv radiation so it's just like transparent and you can just see all their fucking little organs and shit disgusting horrifying it's so gross i hate the ocean there's so much spooky shit down there right and honestly like giving the benefit of the doubt that maybe there is an existence of mermaids they're not going to look the way that we think that they do they're going to be like harry potter style fucking scary ass yeah semi-humanoid fish people kind of thing you know some sort of like gelatinous chimpanzee yeah <laughs> It's like if a dolphin kind of had a human face. That's what I imagine. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, dolphins are super close to us in terms of intelligence and evolution. Exactly. You can have intelligent marine life. Mm-hmm. You know, octopi are insanely intelligent. Exactly. I think I converted you. I don't know. I think I think you believe in mermaids now. My critical thinking skills have just plummeted since I left school, so... <laughs> I wanted to close out, though, with something more down-to-earth. These people called sea nomads. Ooh, okay. I'll try to link this as well. This is from a National Geographic article I read. But the closest thing, in a sense, that we have to flesh and blood merfolk are the, um, I'm probably not pronouncing this right, but the Bajau people, a group of nomadic people who live in the waters off of the Philippines, Malaysia, and Indonesia. These people have adapted to hunt by diving for fish, capable of free diving to depths around 200 feet while holding their breath for up to 13 minutes. Whoa. That's crazy. 13 minutes. So a study revealed evidence of a DNA mutation for larger spleens that gives the Bajau the genetic advantage in their underwater lifestyle. The spleen supports the immune system and recycles red blood cells. And in mammals that spend a significant portion of their life underwater, such as seals, the spleen is remarkably large in comparison to other non-aquatic mammals. Hmm. So the study from the Center of Geogenetics at the University of Copenhagen tested this in the Bajau by comparing their average spleen size to that of their neighbors living on the Indonesian mainland. So using portable ultrasound kits and saliva samples, researchers discovered that the median size of a Bajau person's spleen was 50% larger than the spleen of a mainland resident. Whoa. So there's something to like a large spleen size and like being able to like survive depths and hold your breath. That's really cool. As the Bajau people have lived as sea nomads for thousands of years, it's believed their bodies adapted to endure the long dives and increased water pressure of the ocean depths. Mm -hmm. That's wild, though. That is 13 wild. minutes. That is so long. Yeah. I wonder what the world record is. I would assume it's them, but... That's what I would think. But I don't know if they're calling up Guinness. <laughs> okay, so apparently the world record... It says, without training, we can manage about 90 seconds. But on February 28th, 2016, Spain's Alex Segura Vendrell achieved the world's record for breath holding with the time of 24 minutes. Whoa. That's wild. 24 minutes. Think of the possibilities. Mermaids. Mermaids. <laughs> I think that's most of it. Do you have any good vibes? My good vibe is spleens. Nice. The bigger and juicier, the better. Yeah, that's very, like, vampiric of you. Thank you. I would say my good vibe is hopefully having a fucking house. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. That'll be my good vibe for you, too, just to spread that energy. I hope that you find a good home. <sighs> Much like my dog found a good home. <laughs> I hope you get adopted by somebody. You should go and do foster care, but, like, at an animal shelter. Like, I should present myself to be fostered. Yes, exactly. Okay. And as an adult, you could write up a pretty convincing cover letter, I think. What would you put my, like, bio as? Like, if, if you had to write me a bio like I was an animal. 25, vaccinated, 
not housebroken. Or needs needs work. Needs work. Needs work. Yeah. A lot of people are going to want me. Behavioral issues. Behavioral <laughs> issues. Um, food aggression. Yeah, food aggression. <laughs> I forget to eat. I don't even think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The concept of food is bizarre. Mm -hmm. I feel like yours would be friendly, needs help with confidence, um, needs, needs an <laughs> owner that will help with confidence <laughs> and will also take them out of the house. Got to get me going. I, I grew yeah. up in a puppy mill, so I'm not super socialized. Big fan of other animals, needs introductions with other humans. <laughs> mm -hmm. Frightened of other humans. <laughs> yeah, frightened of other humans. And that makes me aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive. So aggressive that you go hide in your room. Mm -hmm. I'm aggressive towards myself. <laughs> you idiot. You idiot. <laughs> Fucking talk to people. What the fuck? You just like go to a room by yourself and you just bark at yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I see my reflection and start freaking out. <laughs> uh, look at us. Adopt us. Um, if you <laughs> enjoyed this episode, please, um, please reach out to adopt us. We are, we have been in the system for quite a while and. Things aren't looking good for us. Yeah. We're really needing a home that is willing to put in the work that we need to be, to be happy and healthy. Uh, you can email us at according to an idiot at gmail.com for your application for our application or just to let us know what you thought of this episode if you have any ideas anything you want to let us know about uh you can also stay up to date on all of our episodes by going to our twitter at idiots accord or our facebook or instagram at according to an idiot we also have a patreon if you feel like getting more involved we have a series of tiers um, where you get early access, ad-free listening, uh, voting on topics, and you can also suggest your own topics. And we are going to be starting up a new series soon where we're doing exclusive episodes for our patrons as well. So if that's something you're interested in, please check it out and um, let us know if you have anything that you would like us to do and that you're really craving. Mm -hmm. So if you can't adopt us, consider supporting us through our Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, also, what helps us and helps people find the show is if you rate us on iTunes, give us a five star if you like us. Give us a one star if you really just think we're fucking terrible. That's fine, too. <laughs> we just want some input. You know what I mean? You can also leave a rating now on Spotify as well. If you go to the homepage, there's a star system as well that you can uh, rate us on. Again, any of that helps. Leaving a review on iTunes also helps people come to the show. They read the reviews. They go, I like these reviews. These people sound <laughs> like they're okay. And they listen to us. So let's, you know, do that. Leave us some yeah. reviews on iTunes and on Spotify. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Just for being here, honestly. Come on, man. Just That's thank great. you so much. It's, it's so nice having you here. I love you guys. That's about it from us. Thank you for listening. I will see you in time. Bye.